I'm Rebecca. I'm Hetty. And I'm Lucy. And we've been friends since the days of gel pens and Furbies. And this is The Thing About That, a podcast that challenges the everyday expectations of modern life and flips the bird at a one-size-fits-all approach to living. In an effort to help future wedding participants feel more informed, today's episode will see us laying bare our own wedding budgets. We'll omit just what we're spending on our own weddings and exactly where that money is going. Okay, so today we want to talk finance. This, as you will discover, feels like quite an intimate thing to be sharing and actually quite an uncomfortable thing to be talking about, which is, I think, why we wanted to do it. Because personally, when I'm in a professional context with my team and with myself, I always encourage conversations about salaries because I think it's really important that you know your own worth, you know where you're mapping in relation to the colleagues on the same level as you and colleagues higher so you know what you can be aiming for and also your market worth as well. So in my day-to-day, I think financial transparency is super, super important. So we thought let's put our money where our mouth is. (laughs) Very good. Hmm. So funny thing, and I think Luce will explain <laughs> so, what, what happened. <laughs> as Becca's just explained, the whole purpose of this episode was to try and actually discuss very transparently. Yeah, the word of today's Sesame Street episode is transparency. <laughs> we wanted to discuss our very personal wedding budgets and where that money is going and obviously in order to discuss that and to make sense of it we all agreed that it was probably worth us being very open on the episode about how much we make so that listeners can look at our wedding budgets in relation to their own lives whether they are on a similar salary more or less now what's interesting is we got 20 minutes into recording this episode before (laughs) Hetty practically exploded with guilt and remorse that she had actually not been honest about a couple of things to which Becca went I also have not been honest we literally even amongst us three and we are such dear old friends and we want to be really open and honest and candid on this episode we'd ended up either muddling our ideas saying literally incorrect numbers and specifically loose what we did was we lowballed and I want to make that clear because I'm always wary of generalizing but I think it can be a very female trait we both Becca and I in particular lowballed our own individual salaries all right so to begin our conversation again why don't I just summarise our findings from yes, the clusterfuck of an initial chat, which is that although we all do very different jobs and our partners do too, and therefore we earn very different salaries, yeah. our combined household incomes all actually sort of netted out between £130,000 and £160,000 each, uh, with very different weightings between male and female financial responsibility in those households out of interest. Mm. Now, it is worth saying that for the more freelance amongst us, uh, those numbers fluctuate a bit more and there is perhaps a bit less stability of cash flow month to month Mm, mm. uh, and year to year. So that may come into play when planning something huge like a wedding. Let's see. And it is also worth pointing out, having said those numbers out loud, that we are hugely aware of our immense privilege But we wanted to be unashamed and honest about money if we were going to embark on a finance-focused episode. Yeah. Yeah. So that is where we're coming from. 
So with that context in place now, uh, let's dive into what our wedding budgets are. What do they currently sit at? I pass the cash conch to you first, Becca. Okay, so before I reveal my grand total, <laughs> I think let me let me talk you through the run up to it because I think this sort of mm. says a lot about my naivety and optimism <laughs> before actually getting getting into the weeds of it. So, what became apparent very quickly, just to state a, a s- absolute obvious, is weddings are very often events. Mm. You are in essence planning an event when you hear about weddings between famous people, celebrity weddings, and they're often talked about as the wedding of the year, the wedding of the season. What that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. is let's celebrate the wonderful romantic union of these two humans. What it means is this is the event of the year. And if you're not there, Mm. you are square. (laughs) (laughs) So that that is sort of the underlying context under all of this. It's an event that you're planning. And every decision that you Mm. make that goes into the planning of this event has a cumulative effect on the budget. Now, I start here because my original budget was 5K. <laughs> Mental. I thought that feels incredibly lavish for a one-day party. Mm. I know that the average cost of a wedding is 40 grand. I don't know how people get there yeah. to be spending 40 grand on often a one-day, one afternoon, mostly party. I'm pretty sure we can do something fun for five grand. Mm. And then two of the first decisions that were made immediately impacted upwards that budget. And those decisions were firstly, scale. How many people are on my guest list? How many people do I feel are really important to share in that celebration with me? And secondly, am I happy to have them in somewhere like a pub and not hire out a pirate space and be and sort of make my peace with the fact that we'd be celebrating them uh, with them in a public space and therefore there'll probably be lots of other humans, lots of other strangers around. Or do I want a private space for the wedding party and wedding party alone? Yeah. I opted for the latter. And that means that immediately you can kiss that five grand away <laughs> for the hire of some sort of private space, private venue. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, and there's other sort of decisions within this, like alcohol, like food, like decoration, like music, because it's an event. Mm. All of which have laddered me up now to increase my budget, I think, fivefold to 20, 20K. Yeah, And obviously, wedding having not happened in July, we're now revisiting this, looking at that figure as a whole and thinking what else we could be doing with that money. Because the other important thing that I should say is we made the decision with the wedding to only spend money that we have physically in the banks. I think people sometimes take, which is absolutely fine, take longer term financial planning view when it comes to weddings. So they might take out a loan to cover some of the costs. That's something that we decided we didn't want to do just because we try she says sitting on a huge mortgage and loads of student loans <laughs> to not be in debt where we where we can uh so yes that is my grand total at the moment and i think ben actually feels like we haven't included everything that we need to include in that yet so he he foresees a another three grand at least contingency on top what about you Luce? where are you at so just like you becca i don't think i was as optimistic as to think five grand but i did always think god what did we say the average was at the moment? 39,700 plus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So mm-hmm. I would have looked at that and been like, this is madness. But my budget is currently sitting at 33 and a half grand. That is including some money for a honeymoon and the wedding rings. If you take them out, because I think a lot of people don't actually include that in their wedding budget for the day itself, it's looking at 30 grand. Yeah. And that's horrifying. Over to you, Hetz. So I think I was more similar to Becca. I was adamant 
that it was going to be small and it still will be small. So we're still thinking that it's going to be between 50 and 60 people. And the numbers side of things was quite important because I don't, well, I didn't want to feel too on show in front of too many people. And I don't know, mm-hmm. the way that my friendships work is that I have a few that I'm very firm and fast and they become part of my family. And, you know, unlike I think for you, Luce, for example, where you talk about your kind of gradations of friends, yeah. I think I've got a very clear line at a certain point. And uh, those that kind of within that line, I would say, are like forever friends. Very helpful for a wedding. As a result of it being quite a small wedding, I did have real visions of being able to keep it at the 10k mark. Mm, mm. Uh, Inevitably, and what we've all experienced is that it just builds. I think there are real hot spots of cost. And again, we'll get into it, but it's things like the catering is as big, if not if not bigger than venue cost. Yeah. Even for a small wedding. You've also got other hotspots like photographer and band became increasingly important for us too. Mm -hmm. And then it's depending on what your location is, you either get, you know, venues that offer lots of stuff with it. So you don't have to worry about tables and chairs and everything else. Or if you're in my situation, there's quite a large necessary higher cost that relates to you know, just furniture for people to be able to sit and eat and also be able to sit for the ceremony. Where we are now, we're still just under 20k in terms of locked in cost. But I think, and it really depends now how we take this forward. If I were being honest about where our mindset was at last year, pre-COVID, I think we anticipated that we would get closer to 25, ultimately. Yeah. So I feel like there's an important candid comment to make here on my side that is something I've become aware of since we first started recording the podcast, which is that when we started this podcast, we all talked as people who were funding our own weddings. And I believe that I too was funding my own wedding. I have since learned I am not funding my own wedding. Mm. At all? I am partially funding my own wedding. Okay, okay. But we are getting help from my parents. I mean, amazing. 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 Mm. And it was something that when I learned it, I remember my first thought was, oh God, I've got to say that on the podcast. Because firstly, it was a revelation to me. I was like, (laughs) I've always thought I was paying for my own wedding. And I almost felt a bit guilty that my dear parents, bless them, have obviously been listening to the podcast and just very quietly been going, we've actually got some money put aside for her. And I think that's worth saying because had I not had that bit of pivotal information come from my mother I think we ultimately would have realized we couldn't have this wedding yeah because now I'm looking at the numbers for us if I had had to create a budget before I knew we were getting help it would have had to be your idea of the five grand Becca and and we would have then had to make decisions not about what we wanted and that changed the budget, we would have had to go, well, we cannot have what we originally want. We just can't. So we're going to have to do something in a public space or we're going to have to elope. We simply couldn't as the two, because we're buying a house at the moment as well. Mm. Let's drill into some of the things I think that are adding to these costs. Yeah. So because sort of there are big decisions underlying them. I really liked your triangle of priorities. <laughs> I, I wrote those down because I really liked that you were saying people, booze and music were your priorities. That was from the Alessia Armanis episode, wasn't it? Yeah. And I would say my triangle is probably people, booze and food. Mm. And that food one, as Hetty's already said, is really unlocks <laughs> or rather locks a lot of a lot of money into it. Yeah, because my sort of principle behind that decision was I love long lunches where people can come together and conversation sprawls over a few courses and a few glasses. Agreed. So that was something that 
I did have an option to do, I don't know, get loads of pizzas in, get loads of salads in, have people sit in their own little bubbles and chat away. But that felt like it was taking away from a more community or people coming together and people getting to know each other over a couple of glasses of wine. So I, mm. that was something I was happy to invest in and put money towards because for me that became one of the bigger moments of the day. And we've talked about how a wedding really is stitching together different moments. Mm. Yeah. Something like music. I love the idea of having a band, but conversely, actually, that was something where immediately I was like, oh, well, maybe that's perhaps somewhere we could save your grand and a half because in theory we could get bridesmaids and ushers to have a half hour playlist each and then we just boom those out of speakers and bob's your uncle but then what you're inherently losing is it's very hard to get people to gather around a spotify playlist in the same way that they do with a band yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then and then with the catering thing as well so i'm jumping around all over the place that's fine but that also sort of unfurls according to the location that you've chosen so for example with this sort of empty barn that we've got, there aren't kitchen facilities. So a big part of the cost is also them dragging in ovens and water and gas and somewhere to yeah, keep the, the ice same cold with us, and, yeah. and stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, maybe that leads into a nice question, which is what have you guys found has been the most shocking, immovable thing? Catering. Yeah. And you know what? I genuinely thought about doing our own catering wow. because, and it's not, again, look, it's not to say that we... You know, we've been upfront about our household income. It's not saying we can't afford what the cost of a caterer is and we'll get down to the nitty gritties of how much we spent in a second. But I just found it quite kind of arresting. I'm someone, I'm a massive foodie. I cook mm. a lot. Like I would not sweat about cooking for 25 people and doing a three-course dinner. Mm. And so I think I, when I saw the original catering costs and I was thinking about mm. what it would cost me to do catering for 50 people, which obviously yeah. is exponentially more than 25, which I wouldn't feel stressed about. Nonetheless, I was a bit like... That is crazy, absolutely crazy. I think what you're also paying for a lot of these times is you're paying for someone else to do the hassle. That's it. There's sort of two meals in a wedding day. There's sort of the main wedding breakfast, as it were, and then there's a, a later night mid-dancing snack. snack. So I was like, well, there's immediately a cost we can save. We can pre-prepare a cheese board or cheese spread or whatever and then put that out. And actually, I was met with some resistance from people I was, <laughs> as ever, people I talked to talked about doing that with because they were like, you don't want that to do at the back of your mind when you're trying to enjoy your wedding day. You want, you don't want to feel like you're having to go through a series of tasks. Just pay someone else to do it for you. There is a, probably a very useful balance to be struck. And the bit that I have to keep reminding myself as someone who likes to host is it's about alleviating you from having to yes, do things yeah. that will distract you from the point and purpose of the day, the point and purpose of you spending this money and creating this event, which is to really live in the present moment and really be there with your partner and be there with your loved ones. So I, I sort mm -hmm. of relinquish control on the catering side, although I still find it like bafflingly expensive. Mm. I think we've ended up being, it's being about £60 per head. So I don't know where that tallies up with you guys. But what that excludes, so the thing that I would say is a bit of a health warning with caterers, and I think we've been very lucky, is that for obvious reasons, caterers, especially if they're affiliated with a venue, they often tie you into having to do alcohol with them. And yeah. also things like no flexibility around cheese boards and wedding cake. So yeah. what that £60 per person which is still awfully a lot we they've been great in terms of flexibility we're not tied in to do sourcing our alcohol through them we're doing our own cheese boards and we're doing our own cake 
So it doesn't include those things. It's canapes, it's starters, it's main, it's put. We're also financially in the same ballpark and in terms of planning who's doing what, I think, in the same sort of ballpark. I think yeah. there was a sort of an interesting decision that was made where we were going for their cheapest menu, plus maybe they could just sort the thing in the evening in order to alleviate the hassle, as we've talked about. And then one night, Ben and I were looking at sort of the other options. And we were sort of like, well, actually, in this menu example that they've got, I don't feel particular. I think it's all fine, but I don't feel excited about any of it. Whereas this more expensive menu, there's a couple of things in there that I'm sort of like, oh, if we're looking to give people a moment, that feels like a really nice moment. So why don't we just opt for that one instead and cut the evening scenario from their remit? And we'll just figure out how to do that a different way. So I think for about you've got to be excited about stuff haven't you yeah I think for about 80 to 90 people it was about seven grand six and a half seven grand so obviously two grand over my original budget for everything (laughs) I think that yeah I think that's the important thing to point out to people from our research at least which is if you want a food budget that is less than say 60 to 70 pounds per person you have to limit what you want those people to do. I think that's what it comes down yes. to. You can't have canapes, three courses, or even two courses, and evening food and for that money. And don't be scared to negotiate. Get into the breakdown of those costs and yeah, be like, do I ours. really yeah. need someone to man the drinks table? No. Do I really need this? No. This cost feels a bit funny. Let's talk about this. What can you do to bring it down? That is such a big point, Becca. I think it's worth saying that in no other part of my life do I barter. Oh, I barter. But weddings, I've realised that almost anywhere I've gone back and said that is not in our budget we can't do it they have always come back going okay we'll give you this for free we'll lower this and we'll da 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 how does that sound so always try bartering don't be ashamed to barter the bartering is important and I also think and I tend to barter anyway so I feel relatively comfortable with it but for those as you say Lucy who don't normally do it I can just see you and Miss Selfridge (laughs) (laughs) what's what's great What's great is um, a lot of the correspondence is over email. So it's easier to barter because a lot of the correspondence is done by email. Other thing as well as bartering over price is working out what the full scale of what they can offer is and trying to work out whether you can piecemeal choose things. Because I think the notion that you always have to buy into the full package that's what they'll try and upfront sell yeah, you, right? Yeah. If you want this and you also have to have the full package. And I think there is flexibility to be able to pick and choose a bit more. At least that's what I found. Mm. The other thing I wanted to point out when it comes to if you're planning on doing either a wedding abroad or a wedding in a barn like Becca's doing, and you're kind of trying to actually think loose, you're thinking about doing outdoors too. You've got to think about stuff like generators. You do have to think about what staff you need on site to help. Yeah. Are you doing bar? And if you're doing a bar, do you need additional people, even if your caterer is not providing the alcohol, do you need, are they a good person to go to to source other caterers who might be able to staff a bar? So it's really easy going into it to lean on the suppliers and say, what do I need? But I actually think it's worth taking extra time going, actually, don't ask them. Ask yourself, what do you need? Then saying, what do you offer? And trying Mm. to get extract out from the package of things that you fundamentally require. Yeah, absolutely. What's next on the list? So I think probably the next one that I would turn to is venue. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think what all three of us have interestingly we've decided to do is not opt for one of those wholesale venues where once you sign up to the venue, you're effectively consigned to 
caterers, alcohol, everything else. Is that right? I think that's right for all yes. three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what was your thought processes when it came to you both deciding not to go for a wholesale sort of when- wedding venue or song and dancing? Well, mine was very simple. I, we absolutely lucked out with the venue because we will tell them after we've had our event, but they're massively lowballing for what they offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the venue is sort of just slash only. I think it's only really recently that they've started doing events because they converted a barn. Mm-hmm. Normally it's just a series of little tiny one up, one downs that you can just book out if you're going for yomping walks in the Lake District. But I think because of that, the venue are incredibly flexible about what you want to do. Yeah. For me, that means control in all things. And that means that you can make sort of the, the decisions and top things up yourself rather than being backed into a corner to accept a certain shape of yeah. something and, you know, choose, choose cost off a menu rather than, you know, hopefully being able to do things a bit more, a bit more smartly. But obviously therein comes what we talked a little bit about earlier, which is the more you take on yourself the bigger your own to-do list is and the more hassle you're you're signing up to. So I totally get people who actually end up putting a bit more budget into that sort of thing in order to do without the extra hassle for themselves. And I guess, and ancillary costs. Our higher costs are quite high. When I say higher costs, it's covering the basics like tables, chairs. Mm -hmm. So I think, I don't know whether that, whether you've got separate kind of cost buckets for that, Becca, but I've got kind of what my venue costs, but I do think I've then as a result have a higher, higher cost. Right, so we're paying about five-ish grand for the venue for about four nights and about £500 for furniture hire. Now, mm. worth saying that I think we were very, very lucky with that price because I think we found the venue for the original date when it was quite short notice. So I think he'd sort of brought prices down thinking that better to get them booked up and just has been incredibly generous and noble in not changing the price when we change the date for next year. What's the budget for a marquee lease? So we thought we would save money. We were the classic naive people who were like, we've got a field, which is beautiful, so we're just going to bung a marquee in there and it's going to be cheap as chips. And I've had such mm. a rude awakening in terms of <laughs> the costs incurred. And it's it's basically everything you're saying about extra higher costs, Hetty, but to the max because you've got yeah. nothing. And even though I keep thinking... We have lots because we have access to power. We have access to running water. It's maybe not enough power. It's not running water being served to the catering area in the way that they want it served to the catering area. So you still need Mm -hmm. the generator and you still need the, you know, all of the extra razzmatazz. In our original budget, I think I put £5,000 for the marquee thinking they're always more expensive than you think. And I think, you know, I'm going to try and get it for less. there's wiggle room within this. There's wiggle room within this, but like 5000 and. I've I've now had to put it up to eight thousand, and even then, it's a real struggle. Wow, so I didn't know. I didn't have. I've never yeah. actually looked at marquee mm. costs, so I never. Right, never and I had no idea. And it is because of all the extra stuff. Like a lot of the time, you mm. look online and you look for what you want, and they go, "Okay, this kind of marquee," and you're like, "That's what I want," and it'll say three thousand five hundred, maybe, and you're like, "Great, okay, fine, fine," and then they go, "Plus this for the matting for the floor, plus this for the lighting, <laughs> plus this for the French doors, plus this for the dance floor, plus this for the stage." And suddenly you're at anything between eight and 14 grand for a not particularly fancy marquee. Mm. And again, we're talking about 14,000 pounds just for the infrastructure for a one day event. It's sort of, it's baffling how quickly you get sucked into it where, 
you know, it all becomes relative very quickly and you're sort of like, oh, okay, £14,000, but we get this. I mean, I guess that's... And this is partly where I think (laughs) this idea for this episode might have originally come from when we all chatted about it just a week ago because I had a bit of a meltdown. Mm, I had mm. this moment where I was getting these quotes in and I suddenly just felt so angry because actually my dream image of what Tris and my wedding would look like is actually much more that kind of thing that you see on Instagram all the time, or at least the cookies serve me on Instagram all the time, which is like long banquet tables in somewhere open air and rustic with festoon lights hanging yeah. in the trees above. Head back. Could you yeah. not well, do that yeah. though? Because you've done that already for your 30th. Could you not right. just put some sort of covering over the top? I think at that party I had about 60 guests. So mm. if the weather had really screwed us over, ultimately it would have been a shame, but we'd have just all moved into the house. And 60 people in that house would have been okay. It would have just been a busy party. It would have been okay. Yeah, definitely. My guest list at the moment is looking like 120 for the main day with 150 Mm. in the evening, like an extra sort of 30 in the evening. There's no way where if the weather turns on us, we can all just move the wedding reception into the house. My parents' house would be completely ruined. This is it. And we just can't. But that is what infuriates me so much about the marquee. And with all the conversations we've been having about sustainability recently, I'm like, I'm spending all this money and I'm doing this thing which is, you know, not as eco-friendly for basically my plan B. This is it. And I think our costs go through the roof as soon as we start including contingency planning costs. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your place. How much is it costing you? So we were engaged last summer. We then went on. We drove from Provence. We drove to Bordeaux sort of region where we met my family in a house where they were staying in. And my family and I all kind of congregate every summer and, and choose somewhere in the south of France and have a, a pretty rustic but very lovely mm. family holiday. And Jacob and I on the route there were starting to, you know, the early stages, wishful planning for weddings. And we were talking about where we'd like the venue or the place to be. And we then turned up at uh, our family holiday. It was almost awkward because we, we, we drove in and we're just like, well, this is, this is kind of it, actually. This place is really it. And it's absolutely mm. perfect for what we were envisaging. But then we set our hearts on asking these poor owners of this holiday home, right? That they don't, it's not a venue. They don't hold themselves out as being yeah. a wedding venue. My family and I crafted this email from me. It must have taken us about two days to put together this pleading, this pleaful email. And the, the amazing owners just came back and just loved the idea. Great. And we obviously assumed that they would then add a wedding surcharge or something. And the only thing they said was that, um, effectively, you could still have it for the same price as we let it out, but if you could just pay for a professional clean. Great. And that was it. Just remarkable. So that's basically, so what we're paying for is a week in that villa and, and an additional professional clean, which is about, I think it's like 200 euros. And then the venue itself co- is cost 3,500, so 3,500 for Jesus. the week. Which is not bad. But then it's about 2,500 additional Gosh. on higher cost. Mm. So it takes us up overall to 6K for our venue. Still not bad, cost. especially for a venue in the UK. You would never, ever be able to get anything anywhere around that ballpark for that length of time at all. Alrighty, so what was another thing people have been horrified by the cost of? Flowers. <laughs> Flowers. <laughs> Flowers are a big one because it was one of the things that sort of fell in the the fripperies for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. things that I should really interrogate and think about if there's a different way to do them. I was absolutely 
blown away by, I would say, the majority of quotes and the majority of people that I talk to, even even sort of wholesale suppliers. Mm. I was kind of really blown away by the cost of things. I haven't quite worked out what I'm going to do yet because with this one, I'm now slightly feeling there's so much hassle involved in this and getting it right. And even though I like to think I'm, you know, not terrible at all things aesthetic, creating something like an archway out of grasses and ferns and foliage, that is a big undertaking Mm. and that is not really where my (laughs) specialism lies. So this is an area where now I'm thinking Mm. maybe this is an area where actually I do spend more money than originally I thought I would in order to really get a specialist who knows what they're doing. Mm. What are you guys thinking on the on the foliage front? Well, just for comparison, I thought mm. I have one very close friend of mine who was incredibly kind and she just shared her budget with me. I can share my budget with you, Wonderful. but it would have to be a paper notebook. <laughs> I don't need your photocopied <laughs> notebook. You can have my notebook. <laughs> we should tell the listeners that when I told Beckett that my entire budget was written down in a in horrifying. a, a moleskin notebook. She did a bit of vom in her mouth. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah, I think I've. Uh, I think I'm. You've been a... struck off the Christmas card list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's not color coded with multiple it's tabs not. and automated, and then I think even more horrifying <laughs> when she worked out. I even did the totaling up myself by hand using. Stop it. Stop I know. It now. So this other incredible friend of mine who sent over her budget by means of a comparison, her entire budget was about forty-two and a half grand. So more than all of our three, but actually only a little bit above what is the average. Yes, yeah. And she actually did relatively all right, I think. Looks like she spent about £1,000 on flowers. Mm. But isn't that madness that I preface that by saying that's relatively all right? Mm. Because if I hadn't begun planning and I heard a podcast where someone said that, I would think that was absolute batshit. Question for you, Lucy. Mm. Do you remember what her flowers look like? Actually, yes. Okay. But it was a particularly memorable bouquet. It was super, super colourful. There wasn't sort of one colour palette. And I was a bridesmaid, so of course I was holding a bouquet. So I, I guess I had more awareness. You're more it. intimate with the details, yeah. I would also add that I have a florist friend who will actually be doing my flowers. And she told me that £600 would be a good budget to aim for if you're trying to save money. Mm. That's apparently you know, the lower end. And that still might involve my green fingered dad growing some of them in our garden. But I think that's a gorgeous idea anyway, Mm, and very sustainable. Uh, So I am currently budgeting £600. But actually, I am hoping to spend less by having a super small bouquet of really locally sourced stuff. Uh, What are you what are you budgeting for flowers, Hets? I haven't included yet any costs for flowers on the basis that I'm hoping that we might because our setting's really lovely I guess I'm hoping to make it quite pared back if I start thinking about flowers I suddenly want loads of them I mean look I love I love flowers Mm. I think I'm the sort of person that if I opened the sluice gate I could easily spend (laughs) way too much money on flowers because I love flowers even though obviously the interview with Alessia also made me realize that fresh flowers are not, not not often locally sourced which means they're worse for the environment than I realize why do you hate our planet so much (laughs) why are you killing turtles 
don't. I love turtles. Can you imagine just kind of catching sight of Hetty one day, just like poking straws into bushes? <laughs> Though I have been known to hide alcohol in bushes when I'm drunk. Haven't we all? I want to come back to you later, like, like a little booze squirrel. <laughs> and maybe this also bodes terribly for how much booze we're going to end up buying for our wedding. Because I have this real fear that people are going to drink too much too soon or get drunk at the wrong time and not be able to make it to four or five in the morning. And so, yeah, I have been known when I get drunk to like this irrational fear just comes out like a frenzied mad woman and then I start stowing away gin bottles and bushes. What, so people can't drink? No, there's still plenty. There's but like spare, this idea, so there's Yeah, there's spare, there's spare. But you're in control of the whipping out. Yeah, but then I forget. Ten years later, you find a really well-aged whiskey in the bushes. <laughs> You're so right. I mean, this is such a British thing, isn't it? And maybe we'll move on to this now, but we were trying to work out what to buy in terms of alcohol. Mm. You read things on websites that say, on average, plan for like half a bottle of wine a person. And I'm no. like, half a bottle of wine? Like on a wedding? No. You're drinking all day? I easily get through a couple maybe of bottles on a of wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tuesday breakfast. I'm done. <laughs> over my cornflakes. It's over. The half bottle is long gone. Come on. But I, you were sort of adding it up and then Tristan's going, and what if like everyone wants white? No one wants red. It's, like yeah, you've actually got to make sure you've got hard. two bowls of white per person, two bowls of that's red. Up. <laughs> yeah. But, do you know, even this actually is another point. We've obviously talked about pooling our resources when it comes to decoration. We could even pool resources when it comes to booze because say, I think oftentimes if you do over plan, make sure that people's glasses are always full. You end up with so much leftover. Yeah. Maybe that's something that Ben and I can then take off your hands. That's a knows? really good thought. Obviously, what you want at a party and specifically at a wedding, is to have excess rather than too little, of course. But the result is that I don't know that I've ever been at a wedding where they're like, we planned this perfectly. You know, there's always sort of an insane amount of one particular thing left at the end. And (laughs) that's not a bad idea, Becca. Thanks. All right, what's next on the table? Funding or not funding... Things like bridesmaid dresses. Such a good point. Ushers, <laughs> renting or buying of suits, best man, best woman, covering cost of makeup and hair, which I know sometimes people do. And I guess also maybe accommodation cost as well. Mm. I think this is really interesting because I think people approach this quite differently. I shotgun not going first. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go first. I don't mind going first. Let's start with accommodation costs. We made the decision to get married in the Lake District, which is not the easiest place for people to get to. Mm. We also made the decision that we'd love for people to stay with us one or two nights. And we also do feel like we got a good deal on the venue. So what we suggested was paying the people who are on site, covering the accommodation costs for them. What we did, however, suggest is obviously all costs pertaining to the day itself on us is our party. However, Mm. if you think about it, that's still 30 people that are there for a day either side with all of the food and drink needs that is included. Mm -hmm. So what we suggested is sort of a per person little top up, just as you would if you were spending a a, a few days, a front holiday, exactly. And it, it was low. I think it was... 20 or 30 pounds so it won't cost it won't cover the cost of people but sort of enough to help and then when it came to outfits ushers very much all all for themselves I think we're encouraging people to wear existing outfits Mm -hmm. with the bridesmaids I did say while not imposing a look on people it would be nice if we felt like a little a little squad, a little yeah. tribe. Yeah. And one of my favorite colors is sort of like a dark emeraldy green. Mm. So what I said to them is, 
if you have something that already suits and you'd feel rad in, fabulous wear that. If you want to pick up something you absolutely do, I can sub you to a certain amount of that. Because I don't want them to feel like they have to buy a new outfit, but if they want to, I also want them to feel not at all resentful about, yeah. you know, have it, having to, if they so desire. But it is, it is a tricky one. It is a murky one because the friend holiday is exactly, exactly the tricky thing because we... You know, if you bundle in a house together a few, for a few days, everything is split just down the middle. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, you don't have everybody going through every single cost with a fine-tooth cone. You just take it on, you know, you're grateful for the person who's doing all the working out and you just pay up whatever is whatever is needed. Mm. There is something different about a wedding because people might not necessarily choose to have gone up to the Lake District for a few days. So, so yeah, I guess we just wanted to help out. And again, it comes down to different people's financial situation, yeah, you know. Yeah. And makeup and hair. At the moment I'm straying into people sort out your own hair and makeup like you normally you normally would because also I've been doing my own makeup since I was about 14 and I like the way that I do my own makeup and I also trust that I can, you know, skill up maybe in how to make makeup last longer by watching some YouTube tutorials. Hmm. I I do have a slight question mark over hair. Mm. Although one of my pet peeves when I go to weddings is the obsession with these hairstyles that ultimately make a person not look like them. Yes. So to a certain extent, I've been thinking about hair and then I'm like, but I want to look like me and what would I do exactly. if I just wanted to look nice? What I would say is you are lucky in that you have a very luscious I agree. head full of hair. I've got some little rat taily stringers going on that is very difficult to make look appealing. But so you I do look appealing and you look like fabulous it. so frequently. Because <laughs> you only see me through a screen, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all backcombed forward. All over my bald spots, my widow's peak. <laughs> <laughs> and mine's very frizzy. I don't know. I So look, I think where I certainly was is that I would like this to feel like basically like a friend holiday. Yeah. But like all your closest friends on holiday together with your family. Of course... It's not that. It's it's a want of mine, but actually people are busy. Mm. People are stretched in so many different directions. And it wouldn't be if it weren't for the fact that they want to see you in this environment declaring your love. And it's socially given the significance that it is. They mm. probably wouldn't opt to spend, take a day off work or two days off work to come and travel and spend that time with you. We've got people arriving early, so our kind of, I guess, our wedding party if we can call it that are arriving early and they're helping doing all the setup everything for that period of time when they arrive early in terms of food and accommodation we're totally covering because it's mm. that you know they're coming they're doing it for us they're helping us out then everything on the wedding day it's the same everything the day after and then after that I'm sort of like we do have accommodation still available but that I do feel it's at your discretion whether or not you stay mm. and then I think it's like well this isn't so much attached to the wedding anymore that's optional so at that stage I feel like what kicks in is more of the holiday vibe and you yeah. cover your yeah. way on makeup and hair I think that I feel the same as both of you which is that I want to look and I think what I've expressed consistently is that I do want to look like me mm -hmm. I am not particularly I'm not good at makeup or hair so part of me does slightly worry about looking a bit of a mess it's not so much looking bad I don't mind and and, and I don't mind looking like me but I don't necessarily want to look messy mm. and so I think there probably is a bit of an art to keeping your hair together and I think that's where Lucy I think your your hair in particular you're quite lucky that it like whenever you wear it down it stays together it always looks 
tidy. I also think I would hold my hand up and say I think my particular luck as well is that in being an actress... I've literally You've like learned some skills. Yeah, mm. I think that there's oh, times I've had to do my hair in a certain way for plays and in terms of makeup when you were saying Becca about cluing yourself up on YouTube videos. I did my own makeup when I was bridesmaid at my cousin's wedding and I remember sort of just doing stage makeup because what they yeah. say is it needs to be makeup that that stays on all day and that looks good in photos. Mm, so I yeah. put on my sort of what's known in the biz as no makeup makeup mm. in inverted commas where you put makeup on but it's not meant to really look particularly like much so I do think that's my one particular luck mm. we are asking our wedding party to fund the cost of their outfits but that's because we are not really having strict uniform as it were the common thread between everything we've said I think we're all in agreement is sort of when you're somewhat imposing something you pay for it mm. and when you're not you hope that they will pay yeah yeah let me ask you we sort of jokingly said Luce, that we would be wearing our making sure that our dresses were not single use by wearing them to Hetz's wedding I mean honestly <laughs> I'd love it I don't I'm a bit dressed out so let's not spend too much time on this but I would be really mm. interested to know how you guys approach this did you start researching and then get a sense or did you say this is the budget that I want to spend no more no less so I, I started researching I didn't I knew I didn't want to spend a lot on it as discussed on the dress episode, found something that I loved. I think it cost £800. Oh, well done. You yeah. know, it's a designer dress. It is less expensive because it's a short dress. It's not a long dress. But it's by a designer I like. It's a look that I like. I hope I'll still be able to fit into it next year. But I mean, COVID is a bitch. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see where we get to. But it cost 800 quid. And for context, I think the average wedding dress costs 1500 to 2500 yeah. So you've chopped that in half. Yeah. But that is the most expensive thing that I have ever spent oh, on easy. an outfit. Like, easy. Mm-hmm. How much was yours, Becca? I have a dress. It needs tailoring, but I, th- I think it was about 400 Well done. Which I'm more than happy with, but I need some shoes, probably, some, you know, excellent platform numbers yes. um, to add into that and some a bit, of, a bit of tailoring. It is so, so funny, as with all things in this, how quickly things become relative. I remember going to a little wedding dress pop-up, trying on some, very simple but quite great, nothing very special. And then we were talking about sort of ballpark costs. And just for context, I'm an illustrator. I understand that things take time and I respect craft and I respect Mm. design, absolutely, in somebody's sort of brain to, to come up with this thing. But these things were not remarkable. And I think they started off at 2,200. And I honestly, in my head, was sort of like, come on. Mm. You're absolutely taking the piss. That is wedding tax through and through. And I honestly felt outraged. Mm. Outraged. Because they were not not jazzy little numbers that you'd find in Zara. Mm. But yes, I know that I'm going to make an enemy of all possible wedding designers that might be listening to this. Have you done dress? No, you haven't done dress, Lucy. No, but I had this one fitting, which admittedly was at Philippa Lepley. And from what I've understood since then, it's a bit like me saying I walked into Prada and I was miffed (laughs) that they were trying to sell me a belt for £1,000. Because by the sounds of things, Philippa Lepley is like design... I mean, every wedding dress designer calls themselves a designer but it sounds like Philippa Lepley is really up there with the 
really swank ones. So perhaps I should not have been surprised by this. Anyway, I just got the email up just to check and they said, so delighted that we found some spectacular dresses for you. You looked incredible and really suit our corset and luxurious fabrics. (laughs) Of course they thought I did. Favourite looks, in case you want to note them down. Number one, the Vienna satin chiffon, £7,900. With the green fairy tale fabric overlay, £6,900 on top. So the favourite dress that I wore would have been a magnificent £14,800. Pocket change, isn't it? Why do you think you need a house when you could wear something as fabulous as that? (laughs) So... It's gobsmacking. Currently in my budget, I've put one and a half grand, but yeah. I am 110% determined to spend more like 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. The one area of cost that almost everybody I know has said to me, having had the experience of being married, not to skimp on or slash not to cut, has been make sure you do have a good photographer. Yeah. Listen to our episode with Freddie Hutchins. Yes. And that was also a surprise to me. I think I thought that we live in an age where everyone's snapping everything. I was sort of like, well, surely the collective bringing together of everybody's photographs will result in like a pretty good narrative of the day, a pretty good pictorial narrative of the day. But I have been met with universal assertions that actually you should be buying and spending the money on a good photographer who will also be able to put together your wedding albums. I'm not the sort of person who's good at putting together any form of physical album so the album for me is part of the package. And I've spent, again, just to keep being upfront with people about what I've spending, that has cost me about 2,200. Oh, wow. Okay. That, okay. Is that a lot? I mean, no, I think they can sort of vary from 800 up to probably about three grand. I think it was an area that I was happy happy to spend money on because as much as you're absolutely right, you can take some amazing photos on iPhones. If people are caught up and having a good time, I know that I often forget to take photos, mm. even though I'm having a brilliant time. And I don't want to put the onus on people to kind of constantly be snapping away. I'm very happy to delegate that to somebody whose specific task is to record those joy-filled moments of the day. The way that we approached it is I think we sort of said, we put a cap at 1,500. Now, something that I actually almost feel a bit weird about is we relied on Instagram very heavily to find local photographers of sort of the sort of feel that we really liked. So did we. But we really did lead on style. And we've ended up going with someone who was our first choice and we love her style, but she's also one of the cheapest. And I now have a weird relationship Mm. with that where I love her photography, but now I'm nervous that she's, and she's still not cheap, but on the cheaper end, because I'm thinking, oh, well, why why hasn't she put her prices up? (laughs) so interesting, Becca. Mm. In my private tuition, I can remember a point where I realised that actually when I upped my rates, I got more work because people were less suspicious of me when I charged more. Same with illustration. Our actually aim is to get one for a thousand and that's because I've looked at the photographers that charge eight to nine hundred and I've looked at the ones that charge one and a half grand and I can't see a difference mm. often I can't see a difference in how much better so they now are. I'm really worried no I don't think no, you should be and also chosen, you're going yeah, aboard you've chosen your person for a reason so we get all the photographs obviously but we also get we basically opted for them the best album option right. and it is the full day to closing so it goes to the very 
end of the night as well as going at the very beginning of the day. That's something to keep an eye on, yeah, is how long are they going to be Yeah, but I am a bit worried. And this is why I think this is quite an interesting episode generally because it's really hard to know what people are spending in these areas and what's market and what you know what's good value and what's yeah, not. truly. final major factor to discuss is the band Mm. because that Mm -hmm. is very important to me and I know it's important to a lot of people who wants to go first well mine's really short and brief because I've already mentioned quickly that I'm not entirely sure what we're wanting to do with it originally I was thinking people within sort of the squad have responsibility of a half hour list of absolute bangers each and that's how we do it however what you then lose is a moment or a gathering point in the evening to kind of bring people together again. Mm. So that is also an area that I'm starting to relook at again, looking towards next year. Were you going to do a first dance, Becca? No. Because is it about doing a first dance but even just do a pre-recorded song? Because I find that's when you get people to the dance floor. That's true. Where are you guys at with it? I thought band was quite important. For us, as has been discussed in previous episodes, it was in our triumvirate of important things of all of the ideas that we uh, looked into. Fortunately, a bit like your photographer issue, Becca, one of the best value ones that came out was actually my favourite idea. And it is this incredible woman and her band who, with my private theatre company, we did an event for the Bulgari Hotel about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And after our performance, this band came on and they're actually called the Faithettes and they used to be Paloma Faith's backup singers. And then they started their own band. And the lead singer on that night is this woman called Miss Baby Soul. And she was unforgettably incredible. Sick. And we ended up there sweating through our clothes, absolute mess, dancing like till the early hours because this woman was just phenomenal. And her band, and it was a small band. And actually, we're going to have literally exactly the same band. It's going to be a four person band and this singer. And we are spending three and a half grand to yeah, get a good I was band. Say, wow, really? Okay. That's one of the cheapest quotes I got. Really? All mine were around a grand and a half. That's really interesting. But for a very different vibe. But when you break it down, it makes sense. Because if you have a five-person band, that's still only like, bad maths, but like 400 each. Mm. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It's what they're worth. What about your band, Hetty? I think we thought originally that we'd probably go for playlists. The what changed my mind was my parents. And the reason they changed my mind is because I think they were worried with the playlist that as much as it could be multi-generational, there's nothing necessarily quite like getting up and dancing to a bit of funk. And I really do like the idea of it being quite intergenerational, everybody up on their feet. So it was my parents that kind of got me around to the idea that maybe we should be spending money on it. And then I spoke to, it was complete luck and circumstance I spoke to somebody who actually ended up getting married not in a dissimilar way than we are and they recommended a band Mm. and it's costing us 2,800 euros I wish I could remember the conversion rate but what it does include they're going to be with us from the ceremony until the late night that's amazing from the delightful to the mundane um we ought to mention legal fees and admin stuff before we finish up because you actually have to budget for the literal marriage taking place. Good side point. And I am going to be so interested to hear whether there's a difference between a church-run wedding and a state-run wedding. So what's the cost of your state-run weddings, guys? 
This is a great side point because there are so many hidden costs that you might not imagine. So for kind of all in, so this includes a little bit of wedding insurance, registrar booking in a middle ceremony that I think is about 40 minutes. The certificate and the notice of marriage mm-hmm. is nearly £700. I think ours is 300 Get because what we're doing is... But we're literally just going to the office. We go to the registry office, having the shortest thing that we can have. So they're like, are you sure? They're like, are you sure you don't want a ceremony? Are you sure you don't want this? And we're like, no, I just want to sign the papers. (laughs) Stop trying to take my money. (laughs) So for the church wedding, it's the same as you, Becca. It's going to be £700 for everything. That's good to know. That's interesting. So as my now closing question, Mm -hmm. we've ascertained what the major parts are. Can we all think of just one thing that maybe isn't a huge cost, but is something we hadn't initially thought we'd have to pay for that actually is in there, just as a final little nugget? Oh, yeah. The thing that I think is often overlooked, and obviously each their own, and increasingly in a digital age, people are doing this differently, but wedding stationery. Right. If you really want something bespoke, it costs money because you're paying somebody to design it for you. And printing... Yeah is expensive printing on nice sort of textured weighted Mm -hmm. paper there are some real hidden costs when it comes to that okay so my one is transport yes Mm. I was like we are not having a wedding car we're not having a fancy thing taking us away from the wedding like no not putting it in there my mum was like okay so who's driving you to the church even if I just have to get a taxi okay I need to budget for having a taxi (gasps) should we get a TTAT emblazoned taxi please please So what would we say then? Would we conclude by saying, set your priorities, what really matters, Mm. do your homework, don't be scared to negotiate and stick to your maximum thresholds. Yes. And just harking back to the Kate B this episode of can you borrow it? Can you make it? Can you hire it? If Mm. not, then buy it. Yeah, absolutely. And allowing, create those moments where you, even if it's telling your friend, your designated job in this process is to take me away from this process you know like actually to enforce a conversation where you're going to step back and say perspective. are you happy yeah. with how this let's is talk going? about the panama hats this is a panama hat intervention shall we say it's a panama hat moment let's have a panama hat yes. moment <laughs> ask a friend if they can be your panama hat mentor <laughs> yeah if you have enjoyed our musings and like being a part of our bird flipping community please hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating, or even better, a review, as that helps people know that we exist. But most importantly, please follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram and Twitter on TTAT underscore podcast, and let us know what you'd like us to discuss in this series on the topic of weddings or in any other series. And finally, thank you to our listeners, and of course to Tristan Kay, who has composed our wonderful theme music.